In the past, I definitely relied on other people's opinions too much. So I kind of like source, you know, elsewhere. I would always ask them, this person, what do you think? Or what do you think? What do you think? Which I still do now, but I've kind of just reduced that sample size. So I don't ask as many people because people close to me obviously care about their opinions and what they think. And they've obviously been with me on this journey. So, um, you know, I, I ask a few people and get their opinion. But at the end of the day, I think it's important that the decision is mine in the end. From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted, a podcast to help you live a healthier, more empowered life. And this month, we're celebrating the FIBA Women's Basketball World Cup coming to Sydney by highlighting a different player each week in September. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Gebelagen. Ezi Magbagor is considered among the most exciting rising stars of basketball, whether it's in the US, Europe or back home in Oz, where she celebrated a WNBL championship win this year with the Melbourne Boomers. But it's with the Aussie Opals that Ezi will be going for gold at the World Cup in Sydney later this month, and we can't wait to see it. In this episode, our managing editor, Alex Davies, caught up with Ezzy during her WNBA season with the Seattle Storm to talk training priorities, playing with the legend that is Lauren Jackson, and the power of going at her own pace. Ezzy, hi. How are you doing? Thanks for being here with us. Of course, it's about 8am in the morning with you because you're over in uh, Seattle at the moment, I think. Is that right? Yeah, I'm in Seattle at the moment. So we're currently in season um, here in the WNBA. So about halfway through, I think. If you weren't talking to me at 8am in the morning, what would you usually be doing? What's your kind of morning routine, I guess? Um, I mean, I'd be up at this time. We kind of start practice or like I get into practice at around 9.20. We have like individual workouts at 9.40. Then we lift after that. And then we have team practice that starts at 11. So I mean, I'm up normally at this time anyway, and then it's a bit of a long morning, and then I'd probably be back or, like, done with everything at around 1.32. So it's a pretty long morning of practice days, but, yeah, it's not bad. (laughs) Do you have any sort of rituals or things that you always do every morning to kind of set you up for the day before you start practice? It doesn't need to be, like, the exact same. I think, obviously, just getting ready, getting ready for the day, just being prepared for film practice, games. It kind of just depends on our schedule. Sometimes we have earlier games, and so... We won't have a practice, but yeah, just making sure I'm ready for practices, games, whatever it is. Do you often take that morning time to do things for yourself sometimes? Is that kind of the you time that you can have? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I just find little moments during the day. So even sometimes after practice, just, you know, whether it's reading or just taking time to yourself, I think having practice in the morning is great because then you have the rest of the day off as well. So I think mornings is more like just focusing on practice. And then when I get back, that's when I kind of have my downtime. I remember you saying that you're a really avid reader when we've spoken before and it's something that you really, really enjoy doing. And for those who don't know, can you just tell us a bit about some of the latest books on your shelf and, you know, what reading does for you? I actually just finished reading a book called It Ends With Us, which is a really great book. Um, I love reading like romance books, um, just dramas. I also read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which is also a great read. And I think reading, like I've always really enjoyed reading as a kid and now as an adult, I kind of, you know, go through phases, especially just depending on where I am in the world or how busy the season is. But I know like when I pick up a book and like get really into it, I know I can just relax and you know take some time off basketball when it still kind of is going on so yeah I love reading and yeah got to find a new book to read now. (laughs) 
How nice. As obviously you mentioned, you know, we're recording this during your WNBA season. When it comes to your workouts and your physical training, if there is such a thing, can you talk us through maybe what a typical week might look like, please, in terms of that, you know, exercise workout sense? Yeah, of course. I think now, obviously, like pre-season's a bit different. We're practicing. We do like three days on, one day off. So that would consist of like an individual workout, a lift, watching film, and then a team practice. And team practices during pre-season are obviously more um, intense because, you know, you're not playing games. But I'd say now our practice schedule hasn't been too intense just because we're playing pretty much every other day. So... This week will look a little bit different. We um, just got back from All-Star break, so a few of our girls were in the All-Star. A typical week, I guess, would be, you know, obviously practice. If you play the next day, practice won't be too bad, so it might be an hour to an hour and a half on court just kind of going through, um, you know, game tactics, shooting, getting rhythm before the game. And then game days are... You know, if it's a seven o'clock game, you'll have a shoot around in the morning. Uh, you kind of have the af- late morning to afternoon to kind of rest and then you play at seven. And then depending on whether you play, um, the next day will be kind of a light session as well. And then you kind of just repeat the same thing the next day. So the last few weeks we've been, so play, travel day, play. So we were just on the road. So that was kind of an intense schedule. Um, but I think it's the same for all teams. You, you're kind of just playing every other day. And then you mentioned, I think, um, when we were just talking about your mornings that you work with uh, uh, lifting and things as well. And I guess there's so much more to your training and your workouts than playing basketball itself, right? Can you tell me some of the different maybe disciplines that go into getting yourself ready for, you know, your seasons and your games? Obviously, one of the biggest things I learned coming here and like playing in the WNBA is everyone kind of has their own routine. You don't have to do the same um, routine as everyone else. It's kind of just catered to you and your individual needs. So yeah, lifting is pretty important for everyone. I think it just, especially when we play every other day, you kind of need to, you know, keep up that body maintenance. So lifting over here isn't like, you know, lifting crazy heavy every day. It's more, you know, working on the things you need. So I know sometimes my back needs a bit (laughs) of maintenance. So I know like when I'm in the gym, I try and, you know, focus on my core um, and do try and get a, a heavy lift in when I can when we're not playing as many games um, because I do still try to maintain that strength. Um, obviously, you know, playing in the WNBA, it's, it is very physical, so I do need a bit more muscle mass on. Um, so definitely try to maintain that. But, yeah, lifting is really important. I know some of my teammates do Pilates every day, will, you know, do certain stretches that they need, and it's just, yeah, whatever works for you, which I, I really love you don't have to be in the right room at a certain time it's it's all up to you and just depends on what your body needs I remember yeah like I was saying before last time we spoke as well again you mentioned Pilates there and that's something that I think you said you enjoyed at the time and is that something you still enjoy now yeah I I do still enjoy it I haven't been doing it as um, much but I know you know when I do have you know back soreness especially when we travel a lot I think a Pilates session is a really good way to kind of get my body back you know, feeling good. So yeah, I, I definitely enjoy Pilates. And I think it can be quite good for mental well-being as well, I think, especially maybe if you play a team sport that they couldn't be more different, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's something different. It's still like, um, obviously a part of your training, but I guess it kind of, you know, just takes you away from the court and kind of like the basketball workout. So I think Pilates is, you know, great for anyone, athlete, you know, whether you just want to kind of take some time to wind down, it's, it's great. 
I remember listening to a podcast you did a couple of years ago, this was, but with um, Matthew Delavadova, and he's an Aussie basketballer for anyone who doesn't know who's listening. And you were telling him about how, did you used to play tennis when you were younger? And sometimes, does tennis drills sometimes come into your training now? Or was that something more that was a few years ago and less now? Definitely less now. I did do tennis lessons when I was younger and basketball and tennis kind of came on the same day. So I had to end up picking Um, basketball but no they haven't really come into my practice routine now I know one of my teammates Jewel Lloyd she actually used to play tennis at a pretty high level until high school I think so sometimes she will incorporate tennis drills into her practices like at the end of the session which is actually really works really well for her as as like conditioning or just footwork Um, so it's kind of cool to see how other sports can you know come into your training as a basketball player absolutely not too many hit abouts after practice and that kind of thing then no no and then where does recovery come into that for you? So um, you were saying about, you know, that importance of looking after your body and looking after yourself. And, you know, we hear so much of athletes talking about, you know, ice baths and things like that. But, you know, what does recovery look like for you? I think a bit of everything. I think, like I said, with, um, you know, lifting, I think everyone kind of has their own recovery needs. We have, um, you know, massage therapists and an athletic trainer over here. So depending on the schedule, I, you know, kind of get a massage after practices, after games. Um, and that really helps me, I found. And then in terms of individual recovery, we have like the normal tech boots, so like can, compression boots. So if we're on the road, um, especially on the road when you're in a hotel room, you can kind of just grab those off the athletic trainer and use them. Um, we do have ice baths. I am not the biggest fan of ice baths. Uh, so I haven't been using them. Um, as much over here, I know they work a lot for some people, but I think for me it's more just, um, you know, massage and compression. My editor, Lisa, who'll be listening to this and working on this, she loves Normatec compression boots. And I always remember she had some in the office one time and I remember coming in and she was editing some copy and pages just sitting in her chair in her boots. And I thought, wow, this is a peak women's health moment right now. <laughs> yeah, they're great. And then what about when it comes to your mental well-being and your mindset I wondered, you know, in a performance sense, but also in a health and well-being sense for yourself, what kind of things and strategies do you turn to? And, you know, do you work with any sports psychologists and things in that sense? And what does that look like for you? Obviously, just playing year round, I think the mental side of your game is really important, like on on the court, off the court, um, just in everyday life as well. So I think it's just important to kind of just take time to yourself when you can. And it looks different for everyone, I think. You know, with like I said, with reading, that's kind of me just taking time to myself or just being in my apartment. Yeah, I think I've I've really been wanting to get into med- meditating. I've heard you know great things about that. Obviously, I've done it a few times, but not consistently. But I think just you know doing that and implementing that before games or you know just when you need to is important. I remember you were studying, and I didn't know if you'd finished it, but um, studying psychology at Deakin, is that right? Yeah, and no, I hadn't finished it yet. Uh, so, not, so how's that going with the balance of the study? Or are you taking a bit of a break? Or? It's been good. It's been challenging. I think definitely taking a break here and there where I can, but definitely something that's important and something that I'm, you know, obviously going to continue. I think it's it's really great with Deakin that I can balance it and obviously not rush through it just because they're so great with flexibility and obviously COVID kind of helped the case too because it kind of showed that I could do a lot of the units online as well. Is that something that you, I guess, what drew you to that, that idea of the of psychology and mindset? Is that something that you, you know, have that interest in being an athlete as well as with your study, of course? 
Yeah, I did psychology in year 11 and 12 and really enjoyed it. I actually came out of high school in a degree in law and commerce and kind of just picked that just because it was a convenient degree. But I knew that my passion kind of lied with psychology, so I made the switch pretty quickly after getting into law and commerce. And it's, I don't know, it's just something that's always interested me. Um, I just, you know, love obviously knowing more about how I work, about how others, others work, and it's something that you can really implement into everyday life. So, yeah, I find it very, very interesting. No, absolutely. Like, yeah, like you say, it, can, it comes into every part of your life, I imagine, from how you work to your relationships with others and, and how, you know, longevity in your career, I guess, like you were saying, if you're playing back-to-back seasons in different places. and Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it definitely is like a growing field at the moment. And I think a lot of sports and teams are realising the importance of sports psychologists now. And so I think they, you know, should be on every team because, you know, seasons can be gruelling, they can be tough. So I think if everyone kind of has access to a sports psychologist, you know, they're able to kind of use them when needed um, and kind of just not see it as, you know, taboo because, you know, they're a part of the team. They're just there for people to utilise. And then I wondered if, you know, we could go right back and tell me a little bit about your childhood, please. And, you know, for those who don't know, I think you got into basketball through your siblings. Is that right? Is that how it initially started? Yeah. So my, I have three siblings. So an older sister, Ella, an older brother, Ovie, and a younger brother, AJ. So my older brother and sister actually started playing first. So my sister started playing first. So she, my sister did singing lessons at primary school and her singing teacher, Venice, um, actually owned a domestic basketball club. Um, down at Coburg Basketball Stadium. So it's called the Northern Rebels. And, um, yeah, she started playing and my older brother obviously kind of soon followed. And I guess, you know, like the younger sibling, you want to be like your older sibling. So I um, started playing and my first... I was in an under-8s team first. So I was in a mixed team with my older brother, which was... It was fun. I mean, I started off playing, I think, with three or four other girls in the mixed team and then... I think slowly by the end of the season, I became the only girl. So like I've said before, like I never saw the ball. The boys would just pass it to themselves. And Oh, no. Yeah. So I kind of like at the start of playing basketball, I was just kind of running up and down the court, not really knowing what I was doing. But yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. And I obviously started at the domestic level and then obviously went to play representative basketball for Coburg. So that was um, the VJBL league in Melbourne. I'm sorry, in Victoria. And then, yeah, just stuck with it and here I am. <laughs> right, so your brother wasn't kind of helping you out in those early days as much? Was it a good sibling rivalry? Or... Yeah, yeah. I th- honestly, I think he was just having fun. He just took the ball and <laughs> wanted to run around. But I didn't mind at the time. It was just, I guess, fun running up and down the court. Do you ever, when you kind of get a chance to be all together at home and things, do you ever have a shoot about now with your family, with your siblings still? Or... Uh, yeah, sometimes. Not as often, I think, anymore. Obviously, I'm not home a lot now nowadays, but um, we do have a basketball ring in the backyard. And my younger brother, AJ, he uses it a lot. So sometimes if he's out there, we'll go and join him. But definitely not as much as um, we used to. Do you feel like the sibling competitiveness comes through or is it not too much like that? I think it's always there, but I feel like now it's more just fun. When we're outside, we're, we love being around each other. So I think the competitiveness kind of takes a step back and now that we're a little older. And then, so obviously you were drafted at number 12 by Seattle in 2019 and there's the most gorgeous video and I'll put a link into the show notes of the moment you found out and you're with your parents and there's just so much 
joy. And I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about your parents, please, and I guess how they've influenced and impacted your outlook and approach to life. So yeah, draft day I was with my parents um, and my agent and his assistant. So that was a pretty big day. But yeah, my parents have been like a huge part of my obviously life, but basketball career as well. Obviously they got me, kind of got me into basketball like at the start and um, would drive us around everywhere. There was a point where there were like all four of us playing BJBL. So that's when, you know, you go all over Victoria on a Friday night so we could be at four different locations and dad and mum would kind of be like driving us around or would have to carpool. I had a really great teammate, Lauren Montaneri, so her and her family would kind of drive, would help out when, you know, there were all four of us playing at different places. So I think like looking back now, it's like they would literally like get home from work and just get ready to go to basketball on Friday night or go to practice on a Thursday night. And they really put a lot of um, time and effort and still do with my younger brother now and I guess at, when a, as a kid you don't realize you know how taxing and how time consuming that is for your parents and then obviously going on they've just you know been there for me you know coming to every to most of the competitions where they can coming overseas especially when tournaments in Melbourne it, it's a win I'm sorry in Australia it's a win for them too but they're you know super hard working they you know migrated from Nigeria to New Zealand when they were really young dad was 19 when he um, moved away from home and I always think like I can't imagine moving away to like a foreign country by myself on my own so I think that kind of like hard work and dedication and independence in a way too definitely came from my parents and yeah I'm just very very grateful for my family's support and their support as well. And when you were just saying about driving you and your siblings to the different games when you're younger, I remember interviewing the netballer Laura Geitz a few years ago and she was having the same kind of memories of her. I think it was her mum and she would say she'd be driving here, there, quick change in the car and off you go to the next game and it would just be the yeah the, the routine and have a snack and off you go and it was kind of those road trips in the car that were actually come, some of her fondest memories. So Yeah, no, they were. I think especially if we had an earlier game on a Friday night, I think because dad would finish work at like five so mum would kind of like get us from school get us ready send us with food drop us like with dad in a different car and then dad would take us to a game mum would go somewhere else or like if we need to be dropped off somewhere um like at a friend's house or a teammate's house so yeah it was definitely busy when we were younger <laughs> logistics <laughs> yeah and so you're starting for Seattle at the moment and I wondered in what ways have you felt your game improving um, over the past few years and what are you still working on in that sense? The last few years I've definitely been trying to improve just my perimeter game. So I think as basketball is growing, positions aren't as, I guess, traditional as, as traditional as they used to be. So, you know, being able to play inside and outside. Um, so definitely, you know, working on my three-point shot is something I've been trying to work on and something that I'm you know grateful that my coaches and teammates now have confidence in me to kind of shoot it when I'm open so I definitely think I'm taking advantage of that and just being able to have the confidence in this team as a starter um, you know in my third year is something that's been huge for me I think for me just keeping that confidence up and you know obviously being comfortable is something that's important and I think the rest will come um, so just, you know, figuring out how to, um, you know, not be too high and not be too low, especially during a season. How, what are the kind of emotions like, I guess, when you are starting a game? Is it something that 
do you feel like you soak in in every time or is it a case of trying not to let the moment overwhelm you or you know how do you navigate that I guess I try to just not get too low or high kind of try to just remain steady one of my teammates still asked me the other day like what do you think about before games and I had to think I was like I don't really know like what do I think about I obviously think about um you know the scout or like game tactics or you know whatever we're doing that game but I never really thought about what I actually like think about and I think that's something like going forward I whether it's like you know a word or a phrase or something to kind of just come back to to kind of help me remain steady in those moments I think is important because I know it's different for everyone and people think about different things some people don't need to think about anything before a game but yeah games can be very intense so I think if you've got like a word or a phrase to come back to when you are in those moments it's I guess going to help you in the long run. So do you think that's something that you might try and work out what that word is for you or is there something you already have in mind perhaps or? Um, I think still work working out I think obviously now it's still like the scout and game tactics and just more recently it's been focusing on rebounding. Rebounding is important and something that our team um, has struggled with a little bit this season so it's not like a, a word it's I guess sort of an action that I have been trying to focus on and but yeah I think going forward in my career just, I'll try and find a word or a phrase. <laughs> Next time we catch up I'll be asking you. <laughs> Because I imagine, you know, I like you say, some athletes have, you know, pre-performance or pre-game kind of rituals and some don't. And I guess it must be about finding a balance, perhaps, about not getting too hung up on one particular thing. Because say you forget your game day socks or something, you don't want something like that to throw you completely, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know too many people with superstitions like that, like that will have to wear the same socks or same shoes or same sports for or whatever, but... Yeah, you don't want to, I guess, focus on something that obviously if you don't have it or something goes wrong, then it kind of, you know, ruins your game or ruins your mindset. So I think just something, you know, simple and easy that you can kind of keep with you at all times. So that a phrase or a word is always going to be in your head, no matter what the situation is. And you've had a fantastic four years over in Australia with the Melbourne Boomers when you've been over there and including becoming WNBL champions this year. But you're about to embark on a completely new chapter, from what I understand, over in Europe. And I wondered if you could tell me a bit about um, a bit about what's happening, what you can share, and how you're feeling about you know this change. Obviously, as you said, I played four years for the Melbourne Boomers. I played one year for the Canberra Capitals. But I think Europe is something that I've you know always kind of wanted to do. I think people like go to Europe to obviously the, the money is better there as a female athlete. You kind of have to play all year round so when people are in the off season in the WNBA they tend to go to Europe to play and it's something that definitely I think grows people's game over there because you're playing a lot you're practicing twice a day um, you know the competition is different it's it's physical so I think for me that was just the next step that I needed to take in my career I you know obviously winning the championship with the Boomers was something that I've wanted to achieve obviously for the last four years we've been in the finals all four years and fallen short so I think the deciding factor was, you know, what more do I have to achieve over in Melbourne? So the championship kind of was like, oh, I guess it's time to, you know, kind of spread your wings a little bit. And it was it was a hard decision because obviously playing in Australia, I'm, I'm home, I'm with, you know, with my family, around my friends. So that was, I guess, something I was comfortable with. And I knew that it was time to kind of just, you know, embark on my new journey. And, you know, I'm playing in Hungary, um, 
for your league team for Sopron. So that's pretty exciting. How do you, I guess when it comes to making any big decision like that, you know, we all have to face some in some ways, whether it's career or a move or life or anything else. And how do you kind of approach a decision-making process like that? Yeah, I honestly haven't always, actually, I still am not very great at making decisions. But I think when it comes to big decisions, in the past, I definitely relied on other people's opinions too much. So I kind of like source, you know, elsewhere, I would always ask like this person, what do you think? Or what do you think? What do you think? Which I still do now, but I've kind of just reduced that sample size. So I don't ask as many people because people close to me obviously care about their opinions and what they think. And they've obviously been with me on this journey. So, um, you know, I, I ask a few people and get their opinion. But at the end of the day, I think it's important that the decision is mine in the end. Um, so I'm all about like weighing up the pros and cons. And for this, the pros just definitely outweigh the cons. And I, I just knew it was the right decision for me. And, and when I made it, I just felt really at peace. And when I told people, like they also felt like it was the right decision. So I knew that it was the right decision for me. It's that nice feeling, isn't it? Where you, you do you feel it in your gut when you feel like that's, it's the right way to go. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think I definitely take time with my decisions or with my career. So I know, you know, obviously being drafted in 2019, I decided not to go over my first year because I knew I wasn't ready. That was also a, a time where I, you know, weighed up the pros and cons. And when I made the decision, you know, afterwards I did feel peace. And decisions like that, I think I have been very lucky to have made the right ones or what I feel like are the right ones. Um, for my career so I'm you know not rushing into anything I'm kind of just going at my own pace and yeah like I said this was something that was the next step in my career for me. And then of course the Opals are getting back together for the World Cup in Sydney a bit later this year in September. What are you looking forward to about the tournament and what's it like when you get everyone back together? I'm just looking forward to putting on the green and gold again and you know playing obviously practicing with a great team and the World Cup is at home this year, so we get to play in front of um, our family and friends. The last time we were able to do that was the Commonwealth Games in the Gold Coast, which was my first experience with the Opals team. And just having your friends and family be able to watch you in the Gold Coast and the crowd was on your side was amazing. And the World Cup is something, you know, obviously on a larger scale in the basketball world, so I can't imagine what that's going to be like. But um, I'm excited. I think the lead up and the preparation has been a bit obviously scattered just because there are a few of us here in America and you know we're playing over here so the girls back in Australia are really you know working hard and practicing and you know going to camps there's a camp in New York coming up at the end of July so uh, Steph and I are fortunate to spend a couple of days there just to see everyone and kind of immerse ourselves in the team which you know that's going to be the only time we get with the team I guess, before the selection process. So we'll take any chance and any time that we can get to be a part of that. Are there any particular parts of the tournament that you're really looking forward to in terms of particular countries you're really looking forward to battling again? I think obviously always playing against the USA. So obviously knowing, you know, being familiar with, more familiar with the players because most, I mean, all of them play in the WNBA, so you kind of know them and are familiar with them. And seeing, you know, Stewie and Jewel is always fun playing against them at tournaments. But no, I think, you know, all teams are looking great this time around. I think it's going to be a great tournament. Um, it's a different format this year, um, so it's going to be exciting.
And what's it like with the Opals when you do get back together, especially those of you who don't see each other or play in the same country very much? Does it feel like, you know, that sense where you've just seen each other yesterday in that kind of way? Is it just back to old old habits and jokes and all the things? Does it kind of feel like family? It is for sure. I think we definitely have a lot of people on the team that kind of help that and bring the team together. So, yeah, and I know, like, they're all doing such a great job back in Australia to kind of work on that and work on that cultural piece. So then when we do come back into the team, it's it's seamless. And I think we're all great. We've known each other for a while. So, you know, we check in with each other when we are away and kind of just keep in contact. So I think that's great. We do, we have Zoom sessions and everything like that. So I think it's just more excitement when when we're able to see each other after a long time away. And then, of course, the big news recently has been that Lauren Jackson is making a comeback to the Opals squad, which is so, so exciting. And I'd love to know, you know, how has she and I guess the legacies of other athletes and basketballers from Australia inspired and impacted you? Honestly, Lauren is, you know, the greatest, I think, basketballer, female, male to come out of Australia. And she's done amazing things for female sports for Australian basketball. Um, obviously, she played here in Seattle and, you know, kind of made, made a name for Australians, made a name for herself. And I didn't think, you know, I'd, I'd be able to get the chance to play with her again. And and here we are, which is super exciting. She's obviously, you know, doing the right things to get her body back. She's been playing in the NBL one and, you know, getting that game fitness back and just teaching her body how to play again not that she needs much teaching I mean she's Lauren Jackson (laughs) but I think it's exciting I think she obviously you know would bring something different to this um, team to the squad she's been a part of a camp already um, and will be a part of the camp in New York as well so it'll be exciting to see her there and then what about other Australian athletes maybe from other sports and things is there anyone that you know has inspired you whether now or in the past and you know who you look up to I think obviously one that would have inspired me would be Kathy Freeman. I think obviously what she did was incredible and, you know, her legacy still carries on now, which is amazing. And she's, you know, created that for herself and for Australia, for Indigenous Australians as well, which I think is incredible. Um, I think more recently, Ash Barty, she's not someone I looked up to growing up I guess but I think just you know her story and what she accomplished and you know retiring and just knowing herself and knowing her body achieving what she did was inspiring and the way she you know went about it as well so I don't think it's a surprise that you know they're both females I think you know they're you know leading the way paving the way for females of the future and I think that's important as an athlete whether you kind of want that or not I think that's something that I've learned you know you're going to be a person in the media a person that is you know highlighted in your sport so you kind of have to just carry that on your shoulders and um, you know be the best person and athlete you can. You've done some work previously with a charity helping hoops and and for those who don't know they run free basketball programs for children and young people in Melbourne I wondered if you could tell me a bit about um, what you've done with them in the past when you've been in Australia and how important is it for you, I guess, to support the next generation in that sense? I've worked with Helping Hoops in the past and I think they're an amazing charity. They, you know, work with, you know, youth in Melbourne and I, you know, attended a couple of sessions where you just, you know, are there at a training session after school at, you know, an outdoor gym and you, you get kids that are just you know there for the experience there just to have fun and to kind of get an outlet 
outside of um, school and to keep them busy. I think it's a great charity. A lot of work goes into it and, yeah, it's something that I think should be, you know, to continue to be a great initiative and I think it will be. Have you ever, maybe there or elsewhere, I imagine you have lots of maybe encounters and things with young fans and little girls and children that come up to you, but I wondered if there's any that particularly stick in your mind, I guess, and resonate with you and make you think, yeah, this is why it's so important to use my platform for for good. Um, Yeah, for sure. I think playing in Parkville this year, so we, for playing for the Boomers, we we used to play down in Montana South and we moved to Parkville, which is more, I guess, central Melbourne. And I think I definitely saw a lot more, um, like, young um, African girls in the crowd, which was amazing to see I think whenever I would see them in the crowd I would you know kind of get excited and you know it's kind of rewarding I guess them knowing who you are and them watching you play and you know me I guess looking like them and them seeing me play and I guess you know seeing is believing as as cliche as that sounds but it's it's nice to see and I, I love that they obviously uh you know have access to games and you know leagues like that because I think you know one turn of playing you know in the suburbs was a little harder to access so I'm just you know grateful that we moved to Parkville and we were able to be more accessible to you know youth that obviously didn't have access to to get all the way I guess to Wontona South in the past. I think I remember you saying to me when we last had spoke that you thought if you could have an impact just on one little girl or one child and make them think oh maybe I could do that too then you'd feel like that was just one of the best things you know that you could do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'd just love to finish off with, if that's okay, with a kind of a few quick fire type questions, if that's all right, and um, put you on the spot slightly, but nothing, hopefully nothing too much, much. But so your go-to energy snack? Uh, probably just a banana. Nice. Good choice. Do you have any nicknames? Well, my full name is Ezioda, so Ezzy is my nickname, or Ez. <laughs> your top, well, workout track to listen to at the moment, is there something that's currently on high rotation? Anything by Thames or Burner Boy at the moment. If you weren't a basketballer, what would you be doing? Um, If I wasn't a basketballer, I would be completing my psychology degree. (laughs) Or a tennis player. (laughs) Oh, or a tennis player. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Your dream way to spend a day off or how you love spending your days off? I just like obviously sleeping in, you know, maybe going for a walk or sitting in a cafe reading or writing. But honestly, not doing too much, just relaxing, being inside. Um, If it's sunny, I might, you know, we have a rooftop here at our apartment, so I might go upstairs and lay in the sun, but just spending time with myself. Your brunch order, when you go out for brunch? Brunch order, maybe a chilli scramble. Nice. (laughs) Especially coming from Australia. Do you miss that when you're away from home? Good brunch? I miss it so much, yeah. There's a really good uh, chilli scramble from A Thousand Blessings in Richmond. I used to go there all the time this past season. So I definitely miss that. And a hot chocolate. And then just lastly, if you could leave our listeners with maybe just one tip um, for their well-being, I guess, or something that you love people to keep in mind, you know, what would it be? Maybe what helps you or what would you love people to know? I think I'd just like people to know that it's okay to be selfish sometimes and it's okay to just listen to yourself and listen to your body and put yourself first. I think the world is you know, a crazy place sometimes and it's intense, it can be overwhelming. So I think sometimes just taking a step back and 
listening to yourself, listening to your body and kind of figuring out what you need is never a bad thing. It's always going to be a good thing and it's, and it's always going to help you. And I think in turn it's going to help others around you because then you're going to be a better person for yourself but them as well. Ezzy, that's a great note to end on. Thank you so, so much for your time and yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Alex. This episode of Uninterrupted was hosted by Alex Davies and produced by me, Lisa Gabby-Luggan, with additional sound editing by Abby Williams. For more from us, pick up a copy of our latest issue with Ezzy Magbagor on the cover. Find it on newsstands or digitally via Apple News+. Plus. Visit us on womenshealth.com.au and follow us on Instagram at womenshealthaus. See you next time.